0: I'm your host Kurt Sandvik and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac let's talk about haunted cars that's right we are in the month of October so let's get spooky now speaking of the month of October I'm going to put the patron shout outs at the end of the episodes there's been a lot of people lately that have been complaining that it takes a minute for me to shout out the patrons that make this show possible look If it wasn't for the patrons, there would be no Paranormal Almanac. If you like this podcast, you can thank the patrons. And if listening to a list of names for a minute is that detrimental to you, there is a skip button. I don't know what you guys do with Mark Maron's WTF podcast because I know everybody skips like 16 minutes before they get into the actual episode. So I apologize that listening to a list of names is that much of a pain for you. With that being said, with that being said, for the month of October, the patrons' shout-outs will be at the end of the episode. Please listen to it. Again, without them, there would be no Paranormal Almanac at all. Alrighty, let's get right in to Paranormal News. Paranormal News. Paranormal Ladies and gentlemen, this is Paranormal News. First up in paranormal news, it's not a question of belief. The film examining government UFO records. I watched this uh, movie last night. It's called The Phenomenon, and it studies the history of UFOs claims from the 1940s to this summer's revelation of the Department of Defense investigation into military sightings that I've been talking about like crazy on this podcast. I gotta say, it's a pretty damn good film. It goes over every topic that I've already talked about in past episodes in one movie. There's nothing really, you know, mind-blowing in it. But if you have a friend that is a complete skeptic and says UFOs are just absolute bullshit, have them watch this. Because top military officials are saying UFOs are real. Scientists are saying UFOs are real. Everybody is saying, oh my god, can you guys hear this cricket in the background? I can't. He's in the house. Yeah, I can't. I don't know where he is. He's he's in the house. He's having fun. So there's going to be a cricket in the background of this episode to add to the spookiness like I'm recording this by a campfire. Just picture that when you're listening to this because I don't know where the hell this cricket is and he's driving me batshit crazy. But anyhow, skeptics watching this movie, I would have to guess, would walk away thinking... All right, there's something to this. There's something more to this than what I thought. It's not just military spy planes and secret vehicles that we just don't know about yet. Sure, some of it probably is. But there is something out there, something that they can't explain, something the government has tried for a long time to cover up. And for whatever reason, that stuff is getting out now. Like I said, this is... Disclosure is not going to be one big thing. It's going to be little things like this. And this movie is just another step in disclosure in the most non-tinfoil hat kind of way, which is what I prefer. I really do. But anyhow, um, it's a documentary. It's from longtime UFO enthusiast James Fox. And it talks about uh, extraterrestrial theories, about uh, government regulations, and it's just worth watching i watched it on uh, amazon prime it was like 12.99 you know if you go to movies that's way more than or that's way cheaper than you would spend going to the movies so it was well worth it if you have an hour or two to burn and you like ufos i highly recommend you watch the phenomenon Uh, again i watched it on uh, amazon prime it was great all righty up next in paranormal news this one is not great pastor did exorcism on toddler and used meth with church members so this came out of arkansas the cops found out a uh, child abuse investigation involving a pastor in central arkansas led to drug charges after police discovered he was using meth at a church with his parishioners and performing an exorcism on a toddler so yeah, this guy's an idiot and he's fucked up. He's terrible. He says that they, they found an emaciated 21 month year old, 21 month old child with multiple bruises from head to toe. The child is now in the ICU with a brain bleed and extreme malnourishment because this monster was performing an exorcism on a baby. So that, that's in the, uh, burn in hell part of paranormal news and uh, it's about all the one. It's, that's all the time I want to spend on that one. It's horrific. Fuck everything about that guy. All right, moving on in paranormal news. Was it a meteor, an asteroid, or a UFO? Hint: It was not a UFO. Multiple reports of streak of bright light in uh, across Kentucky, Ohio, and Indiana. According to the American Meteor Society report, the brilliant and bright meteor was seen all over the United States and up to Canada. It became extremely bright and then fizzled out after a half a second, but it sparked a ton of UFO calls. So, technically, it was a UFO, an identified flying object, but it was a very identifiable UFO, and it has been identified. So if you thought you saw something uh, Wednesday night on the, uh, like, last wednesday i think it was two wednesdays ago um if you think you saw something if you live in uh ohio kentucky indiana or some parts canada you thought you saw something in the sky check the time and the date chances are it's going to be connected to this meteorite all righty quickly moving on are ghosts real check out the evidence and you be the judge that's what a lot of people are doing in their downtime during the pandemic A lot of people have turned to the internet to figure out, are ghosts real? Especially as we get close to October. I totally get that. Every October, these kind of things kind of spike up. People are looking for real haunted places. So this stuff always happens, but it has some neat stuff in it. For example, at the Menger Hotel, uh, it's near the Alamo in 1859. uh, It was built in 1859. Many guests and staff have claimed that it's haunted. KSAT viewer... Felicia Powell shared the photo below with us she captured the photo and she was visiting the Menger Hotel in 2013 and now appears to show a child in red Walking by with a dark figure behind the child, but she says when she took the photo There was nothing behind the girl in red I can I'll put the photo up on uh, Facebook and everywhere else it is a really good ghost photo in fact, I'm probably gonna be bringing this up on the Halloween episode as well, the live Halloween episode that I'm doing, because I want to have like fun stuff to show you guys. And this is a great possible ghost photo for that episode. Up next in the same uh, article is Magnolia Hotel, it was built in the 1840s, said to be haunted by several different spirits. Now many people have visited and captured photos, including this one. Now this next this photo, which again I know you guys can't see it's a podcast, but It's a photo of like two kids they're walking towards the camera there's a guy behind them and then another guy they're saying the man in the arrow is um wasn't in the room when the photo was taken he's a full apparition but it just looks like a guy walking with them so i don't know what to think of that uh like i said i'm gonna have all of these on the uh the halloween episode but i wanted to just talk about a couple of them because we're in october it's time for the spookiness all right, let's keep on keeping on, and let's go on to the next story in paranormal news, and that one is a ghost hunter's favorite case files with Summer's Library. Paranormal investigator Barry Pyro or Pyro, don't I don't know, has investigated hundreds of haunted houses, businesses, and other historic sites. He's been a consultant on TV shows and a bunch of other stuff, but he is doing a... But uh, this guy, Barry, again, he's very well-known in the paranormal community. He's doing a virtual presentation called A Ghost Hunter's Favorite Case Files, Tuesday, October 20th from 6 to 7 p.m. Now, you can register on the calendar. Let me get to the calendar. Um, Okay, if you head on over to hamlethub.com slash events, or if you just Google search hamlethub.com, Barry Piro P-I-R-R-O and if you guys are available Tuesday October 20th 6 to 7 p.m. I don't know what um what time zone that is but if you uh go to there you can do a virtual ghost hunt and he'll talk about his favorite case files might be something very interesting I'm going to check it out if I have if I'm available that time and that day I'm going to be checking it out because I like good virtual ghost hunts and virtual investigations Keeping on, keeping on. This one comes from the Times Gazette. Maybe it was Sasquatch. Now I'm going to skip ahead through most of this story, but um, but it's basically a story about a guy that was out with his kids or his grandkids, I should say. It says him, his wife, and four grandkids were sitting around a fire last weekend in their driveway, telling ghost stories. Now it might have been because they were telling the ghost stories, they kind of hyped themselves up, but they said there were two almost simultaneous thumps that happened from the dark right beyond their you know their sight. It was dark outside. They couldn't really see anything. But in the woods, they had two thumps. Now, at first he thought, oh, it might be a deer that it uh, raised up its hind legs and stomped its two feet on the ground. He, th- he thought it might be some other big animal. But he had an 18-inch long piece of wire that he was using to lift the lid off the base of the portable fire pit And he was using that as a weapon but i know what i say when he's using his weapon is he stood up freaked out held it like a sword basically and was staring off into the darkness trying to figure out what made these huge thumps behind him and he said to this day we don't know what it was but people nearby reported sasquatch around that same time so now he's thinking they had a visit from sasquatch all right let's keep on keeping on the next one, these are the most haunted states in America based on paranormal activity. And this comes to us from marthastewart.com. And as you guys know, the uh, expert on everything paranormal has got to be Martha Stewart. It says, um, there are 16 towns. No, 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 no. They said, if you want to go, if you consider yourself an amateur ghostbuster or enjoy... Hauntings and ghosts and all things spooky. That a recent report by Slot Store, slotsource.com and findings by Ghosts of America say the spookiest states in America are Texas and California. There you go, California. Both states have experienced the highest number of paranormal sightings since 2005. There have been a total of 6,845 paranormal sightings in Texas. Which is approximately 456 sightings each year, and 6,440 something in California. It's actually a, uh, a misprint, an error, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't finish that number. Over 6,000 in California. They said if that isn't enough or too far from you, you might also consider visiting Ohio, Michigan, and Illinois, which have about 2,000 paranormal sightings each year. Those states are followed by Indiana, Pennsylvania, Oklahoma, New York, and Virginia, which have between 1,000 and 2,000 sightings in the last 15 years. So, if you're in America, and you're pretty much, no matter where you are in America, you're near one of these states, those are the states to go to with the most paranormal sightings. Next up in paranormal news, ghost ships, swamp beasts, and all the creepy things in Massachusetts. Massachusetts has some authentically spooky spots we're talking about ghost sightings and places you've likely visited at one time or another there's the innkeeper who refuses to check out of his beloved hotel a navy ship that makes makes ghost hunters go gaga we've even got scary birds and swamp beasts all of it takes place in the Bridgewater Triangle hopefully that sounds a little bit familiar to you because I did an episode about the Bridgewater Triangle so if you don't know what that is head on over to that episode. Make sure you listen to it. There's a bunch of triangles in America. That's one of them. And it's one of them that I've actually talked about. Okay, I want to keep on keeping on because there's a lot to this episode. So let me keep on moving. We're about 15 minutes in. So the next one doesn't seem like it's haunted, but it's connected to this episode. So just go with it. Part of James Dean's Porsche discovered 65 years after the crash. That's right, a key component of the 550 Spider has been discovered in rural Massachusetts. If you don't know about the legend of James Dean or what happened to him, you'll find out in just a little bit. Not, I'm not going into a ton of details about his crash, but you'll find out in just a little bit. But, he was driving a Porsche 550 Spider, which in 1955 cost him $7,000. The uh, vehicle, he got in a crash with the Porsche it kind of got parted out and kind of disappeared all connected to a curse all connected to a haunting of the car and none of it has been seen since well except for now last seen in public in 1960 before being stolen from a locked trailer never to be heard from again that Porsche is still out there but a part of it has been recovered because The key component of the 550 Spyder was discovered in rural Massachusetts. According to a press release, the original and complete transaxle assembly will see the light of day after being stored in a wooden crate and hidden from public view for over 30 years. It was discovered by a Porsche collector. The assembly is said to have been documented with the factory serial number associated with James Dean's car. It's now said to be the only verifiable part of the 550 Spider that still exists and could be on display and viewable to the public, that's because the owners may sell it to a museum or a collection. According to Sports Card Digest, the long ago stolen chassis has never resurfaced, despite persistent rumors over the year relating to its whereabouts. Likewise, the original engine is thought to be somewhere in California, but it's not been seen for decades. That's why as the only other permanently traceable component, the discovery of this gearbox assembly is really exciting. And in case you guys didn't know, September 30th marked the 65th anniversary of James Dean's death. So it just passed, you know, a couple weeks ago. All right, finally, the big one. I had a bunch of people send it to me and I'm loving the fact that a bunch of people sent me this story. It's awesome. I'm very, very excited about this. The Loch Ness Monster, not a monster, Nessie, unidentified DNA extracted as a 30-foot anomaly was detected underwater in Loch Ness. They say it's the most compelling evidence yet that the creature exists, has been caught on camera, and is still out there. And they're saying that the DNA discovered by scientists may help explain the recent sighting. All the dots near the surface of this image are shoals of Arctic chair and deeper down, there are a pherox trout. So it gives you a good idea the size of this large crescent shape. Basically what they're saying, uh, Arctic char, I don't know. Anyhow, look, there are a ton of fish that they could say, look, these are the fish. We know what they look like in these radars, but this anomaly on this radar, is 33 feet in size. They say, I believe there's something in the lock that nobody knows about, be it a big eel or a sturgeon or a big fish or even Nessie, but sonar expert Craig Wallace said the image was 100% genuine. I do believe sturgeon do enter Loch Ness. It may be a sturgeon or a small shoal of fish, but it's certainly fascinating. Without a doubt, it adds to the debate of Nessie. That's right. Nessie's out there. We're even closer to finding out. We've got DNA evidence and now a sonar ping, if you will, a sonar spot. It's getting good. It's getting really good. Alrighty, with that, let's take a quick break. We'll get right back into this. Let's talk about some haunted cars. That's right. We are back. It's Halloween, so it's all spooky all the time. For the month of October, I always like to do the haunted stuff, the ghost stuff, the witch stuff, and I'll save the UFO stuff for the next month because October, the entire month is Halloween as far as I'm concerned. This year for Halloween, let's kick it off with a haunted car episode. Now some people think that inanimate objects can be haunted. Some people think they can't be haunted. We know a ton of dolls that seem to be haunted, but what about cars? Can cars be haunted? Well, you tell me after you hear this episode because let's start with Archduke Franz Ferdinand's car. Who? All right, the insanely quick recap. Re-crap? The insanely quick recap on France is this: Archduke Franz Ferdinand was the heir presumptive to the throne of Austria- Hungary. Now his assassination in Sarajevo, is considered the most immediate cause of World War One. Let me repeat that. Because he was assassinated. Oh, spoiler. He's going to be assassinated in a minute. Because he was assassinated, that sparked off World War One. All right, that's the recap. Okay, so him and his wife were attacked by some guy. Not going to lie. I just don't want to attempt this guy's name. So we'll just call him some guy. Now, this guy threw a freaking grenade at france and his wife but the grenade went off behind their car because their car was moving injuring the people in the car behind them so france and his wife shake it off and they head to the hospital to check on the people who were injured by the freaking hand grenade their open-air limo stalls in front of a cafe on the way to the hospital and wouldn't you know it another assassin walks out of that cafe sees them as like oh shit that's who I wanted to kill anyway and shoots them through their throats and heads so again spoiler they died they got shot through the throats and heads so World War One happens tons of bad shit happens but let's get back to that car that they died in the car that was covered in blood brains and bullet holes Throughout the war and into the 1920s, the limo was owned by 15 different people, was involved in six accidents, and supposedly had a total of 13 deaths. You'll see why. I, you'll see why I say supposedly in a second. Now, the first person to own the car after France was after France was an Austrian general named P- Padiorek. Sure, why not? Doesn't matter. He's dead. Patiorek Doesn't matter. It's a general. He he owned the car. Now that guy went insane after owning it a few months, but I can't prove that he died in the car because of the car, or even if he ever died, I assume he did, or he'd be crazy old by now and be really pissed that I can't say his name correctly, but grain of salt, I don't think he died as a result of the limo. Check one off the box of probably not 13 deaths. Now the next owner didn't die either, But he did have four car accidents in the limo. And the last car accident, he lost his arm because of it. So, he got rid of the limo, smart man. And he gave it to Dr. Srikas. Who, he was just like, that's dumb. Cars can't be cursed. Yeah, sure, Franz Ferdinand and his wife got killed in it. And that guy lost his arm. I'm sure it's fine. It's a beautiful car. Can't be cursed. He drove it for six months until the overturned limo was found on the highway with the doctor's crushed body under it so there's a death I'll give you that one that's one so two curses in one death let's keep trying the next owner was a captain in Germany who did die while trying to avoid two pedestrians, and by avoiding them, apparently, he meant slamming right into them, because that's what he did, and all three were killed. We'll give it three. All right, so that's four deaths. Then comes the murky, I don't buy it, grain of salt saga all about this car that seems to be bullshit. The bullshit saga starts with this one. Another doctor became the next owner, but his superstitious patients began to desert him, so he sold it. No death there. Then it was sold to a race car driver who raced it in the Dolomites until the limo threw him over a stone wall, and he died of a broken neck. Next was a well-off farmer who bought the car, was driving it when it stalled, while another farmer was towing him to get the car repaired. It roared to life in gear, hit the towed car, sending it down a ravine, killing both farmers. Yeah, that one's scary. Next up on this list of dumb people buying a cursed limo was Tiber Hirschfield, who painted the car a cheery blue color to hopefully stop it from being, you know, killing people and being cursed. That didn't work. And the cheery blue car slammed into an oncoming car, killing good old Tiber and four passengers. Okay, here's the thing. There is very little evidence the last few are true. By little evidence, I mean... There is no evidence the last few are true at all. Nothing about a doctor, his superstitious patients, a race car driver, a farmer killing another farmer, and then some guy named Tiber. none of that. The car is on display at a museum. It's not blue. Doesn't look like it was ever repainted blue. It's dinged up and it's dented. It's got some bullet holes in it but not dinged up and dented like a race car hit a stone wall, flipped over the wall, guy died of a broken neck inside it, or that it went into an oncoming lane and hit a car, killing Tiber and passengers. none of that. There is no head-on collision. It really only looks like an old car that some people got shot in. So, yeah, I don't buy a lot of the deaths surrounding it, but... There were some deaths. There was a guy who lost his arm because of it. There does seem to be a curse connected to this car, just not 13 deaths worth. It was a real shitty way for Franz Ferdinand and his wife to go. I'll tell you that one. But there's also another BS story about this car that I can completely debunk. And that BS story is, there was a man named Carl Brunner who cherished the car while it was in the museum. Now, he seemed drawn to it connected to it. The car seemed to be calling to him constantly. Well, one day, Allied bombers bombed the museum in World War II, and the museum was bombed to rubble. When the rubble was cleared away, they found the car still in one piece like it had never been bombed, with Carl's dismembered hands on the steering wheel. Bullshit. Nope not even close to being true the museum wasn't bombed to rubble the car wasn't found intact under said rubble there were not Carl's dismembered hands on the car in fact the museum has never had an employee named Carl Brunner all right but here is something true and odd about the car told you enough bullshit over the past five minutes or so let's get something real about the car a British visitor named Brian Pressland called up the museum after visiting them and seeing the car and everything. He called them up saying, hey, I noticed something really odd. The license plate to Franz Ferdinand's limo is A111118, which may not sound too weird yet, but Armistice Day is November 18th 18th that's right november 18 1918 the day the war ended so world war one started because franz ferdinand got assassinated in the limo ended november 18th 1918 which just happens to be the license plate of franz ferdinand's limo coincidence probably Still kind of cool though i like that one all right the next one on this episode i think i talked about on a previous previous episode but here it is again it's a quick one just enjoy it i think i talked about this one i really do december 11th 2002 on the a3 highway the police started getting a bunch of calls about people witnessing a car crash so they rushed down there and sure enough they found a voxel astra crashed down a ravine right where people said they saw it crash in front of them. They saw it go off the road, down the ravine, and crash. Here's the thing, though. Here's the spooky. When they looked in the car, they found the decomposed body of a young man. Coroners determined he had been dead for five months. Not only that, but the car was so overgrown with weeds, it had been down there, yep, you guessed it, for five months. So all of these people that were calling into the police saying they watched this car crash happen, that day, we're seeing a loop of this car crash and this poor guy's death. That's cool. That's spooky. I like that one. righty. up next, let's go to South Africa where a car went all Herbie the Love Bug on people. Nine people watched as a Renault McGain? I don't know. I've never heard of the, that Renault car turned itself on with no one in it and started hopping backwards up a hill. Eyewitnesses said there were no keys in the car and it just started up out of nowhere and jumped twice backwards up a hill. Renault checked it out, they looked at the car, they tried to figure out what happened and couldn't figure out what would cause any of that to happen. So haunted car? Maybe, don't know. All right, this next one's odd. It's another assassination car. THE assassination car, as far as I'm concerned. That's right, I'm talking about the SS-100-X. That's the name the Secret Service gave the Lincoln limo that John F. Kennedy was killed in. You've all seen the Zabruder film. If you haven't, stop what you're doing. Stop this podcast for a minute. Go and watch the Zabruder film so you have an idea of what the car looks like. Big blue limo. JFK gets his head blown off inside it. It's terrible. Well... After Kennedy was killed in it, they actually used that limo for eight more years. Yeah, the car a president's head exploded in, they were like, eh, we'll clean that off, let's keep using it, it's a brand new car, it's pretty, come on. So this company called Hess and Eisenhart added reinforcements and safety measures that weren't there for Kennedy that probably would have helped him, So at least, you know, they tried to make it safe. Like they added a titanium armor plating, bullet resistant glass and a permanent bulletproof roof. Yeah, that would have helped Kennedy a little bit. Now you can actually see it with the roof on at the Henry Ford Museum in Detroit. If you guys have never been, it is possibly the second best museum in America after the Smithsonian. Absolutely incredible. But right there, in the Henry Ford Museum is the limo now Lyndon Johnson ordered the limo be painted black so it wouldn't remind people so much of Kennedy's assassination right after he was killed in it yeah that'll do it oh oh that's not the car because the car that Kennedy's head was blown off was blue this one's black oh it is the same one well thank God you painted it black it makes it so much better all right where's the spooky though I know that's what you're thinking well how about this? It actually happens at the Henry Ford Museum. Guests and staff have seen a ghost in gray in and around the car numerous times. And I mean, a bunch of times. In fact, many people say the ghost is JFK himself. They were close enough to the ghost. They could actually see it. And they said, yeah, that's JFK. I recognize him because he still has a head. But get this it even seems to be on the schedule that's right the ghost is most often seen in and around the limo in november the month that kennedy was killed in case you guys didn't know that so if you happen to be in detroit in november and you want to go check out the henry ford museum you know pay close attention to the kennedy limo because you just might see john f kennedy's ghost and that's cool as hell if you do You better take a photo and you better send it to me because that's what I want to see. Okay, huge grain of salt time. I had to add this next one. It's just, it's just cool. It's about Elvis. Of course I'm going to add it, but I don't buy it at all. You'll find out in a minute. All right. Guests at Graceland have reported seeing a red Cadillac being driven by Elvis. Now, at first, people thought it was an Elvis impersonator just driving around town in a red Cadillac being an Elvis impersonator, but the Cadillac drives straight through a wall by Graceland. So, yeah, apparently, it's a ghost Elvis and ghost Cadillac. Other sites, though, say, nope, mm mm-mm. It doesn't happen in Graceland. It happens in Vegas that you can see Ghost Elvis and Ghost Red Cadillac driving down the Vegas Strip. Nope, I don't buy either of those. Look, you want to tell me that Elvis's ghost appears at Graceland? Yep, I can get behind that. Sure, why not? Or maybe Elvis's ghost appears where he performed in Vegas that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, that location doesn't exist anymore. Sure, I can get behind that too. But you're telling me that somebody is walking down the i'm gonna give them a chance say walking down the vegas strip and they see a red cadillac with elvis inside there and they're not thinking what everybody else in this world would think oh it's just another vegas elvis impersonator big deal who gives a fuck i don't buy any of that there's no proof there's no photos there's no even witness names online it's just a fun story about elvis and you know Elvis ghosts apparently make for good read because a ton of sites copy it verbatim. So, nope, grain of salt bullshit time. Okay, up next is a car that I've actually seen. It's the Bonnie and Clyde car, and you too can see it on your way to Vegas. It's in Prim, Nevada. It's in a a, uh, casino hotel, but here's the deal. Many people have claimed to see the ghosts of Bonnie and Clyde inside and around the car, Also, weird objects are seen in the photos. It's dust. Just dust. They're not weird. They're not orbs. It's dust. And many people have said they have the feeling of a presence of someone or something around them when they're by themselves next to the car. They say they feel like they're being watched. Well, guess what? The car is in a casino. You are a hundred percent being watched at all times in a casino Next to their big money ticket item of Bonnie and Clyde's car in a casino. You're being watched. It's not a feeling, it's a guarantee. Alrighty, up next is another one I can't verify. All the stories have one source, and this one source is iffy as shit. That's right, owner Wendy Allen, nicknamed Eel Cat or the Sea Witch of Old Orchard Beach, well, good old eel cat collects haunted cars cars that she says are haunted nothing verifiable no verifiably haunted car by any stretch of the imagination but she is the only source for all of the claims so very convenient and she wants you know people to pay money to see her haunted cars all right here's the deal A 1964 Dodge 330 known as the Golden Eagle started out as a police car in Old Orchard Beach, Maine. The three officers drove it, and all three officers killed their families, then killed themselves. Yet no proof. I cannot find any independent source that three officers from Old Orchard Beach, Maine killed their families, then themselves. Not one iota of proof. Okay, so three was enough and the police department went, you know what, we keep handing this out to uh, police officers and they just go and kill the families themselves. Maybe we should stop handing this car out. So they sold it to an old guy who sold it, yep, to the eel, whatever her name is, the eel cat herself, Wendy. That's right, the sea witch of old, old orchard beach bought this car from an old guy, quote unquote, then an old guy got it and she bought it from the old guy. Now, Wendy is a self-proclaimed witch, never had one issue with the car. She said it's always running perfect, except anyone who tries to vandalize the car will die in mysterious ways. How does she know that? No idea, because if they're trying to vandalize the car, they don't actually get to vandalize the car, and then they die in a mysterious way Unless they're dying right next to it, mysteriously. Like, she walks out to her car one morning, and there happens to be a person with, like, a key in one hand, like, they're gonna... Or a spray can, of, you know, a spray paint can in one hand. But a fish hit him in the forehead, like, went into their forehead and came out the other side. All right, that's a mysterious death. It looks like this person was trying to vandalize my car, and now they're dead by, you know, being bludgeoned by a fish. That, all right, I'll get behind that, but no none of that nothing even remotely like that apparently again according to wendy the vandals died of being hit by lightning or decapitated by an 18-wheeler or hit by passing cars after they were quote flung by the golden eagle car itself into the road then in 2008 another bullshit that happened when a kid just touched the car on display some little kid's just walking by he just touches the car just once. Touched it once. He went home and he murdered his whole family. This little kid who just walking by this display, just touched the car once and went, yep, I gotta go home and murder my mom and dad. His whole family. Bullshit. But it doesn't even end there. After he touched the car, went home, murdered his whole family, he then burnt his house down to the ground. So after this tragedy... The local church said, we've had enough. They stole the car, chopped it up into small pieces, and sent the pieces to multiple junkyards to ensure that it was never reassembled by Wendy or anyone ever again. Look, that's just a dumb story. That's just a whole lot of dumb wrapped up in one dumb story. There's no proof any of this ever happened. I looked up Old Orchard Beach, Maine, went through all the papers, trying to find one thing about this that I could prove to be true, and I couldn't. But I added it here because everybody says one of the most haunted cars in America is, yep, this 1964 Dodge 330 Golden Eagle. Bullshit. Now, I could give you her website, but it isn't even the good kind of batshit crazy. It's just boring, sad, dumb, allegedly. I'll throw allegedly in there so I don't get sued by this crazy person, but no, none of it's true. I call bullshit on everything. In fact, while I'm telling this story, let's look up what that car would even look like. Does it look cool, maybe? No, it's, I mean, it's a cool looking car. It's a fine car. It's be a fun little hot rod, but no, it's not even Christine cool. You know what I mean? Alrighty. Finally on this episode, let's talk about James Dean's Little Bastard. Yep, that is the name of his 1955 Porsche 550 Spider. Now, this car was done up by George Barris himself. If you don't know who he is, he's the guy that built the Batmobile. The lettering on this car was done by Dean Jeffries himself. If you don't know who that is, that's the guy that built the Monkeymobile. Alright, James Dean was a huge race car, race car driver, huge race car fan, huge speed demon. So, right after James Dean picks it up from George Barris, he bumps into Alec Guinness. That's right, Obi-Wan Kenobi himself. He bumps into him outside of the Via Capri restaurant in Hollywood. So, James Dean shows Alec Guinness the car, and Obi-Wan said, and apparently this is in his unpublished journals... Obi-Wan says to him the sports car just looks sinister to me exhausted hungry feeling a little ill-tempered in spite of Dean's kindness I heard myself saying in a voice I could hardly recognize as my own please never get in it if you get in that car you'll be found dead in it by this time next week and in case you didn't know James Dean didn't listen to Alec Guinness got in the car was driving way too fast on his way to Salinas for a race. He wanted to break in the car a little bit before they got to Salinas for a race. It was a, you know, rural town by the, a rural road stretch of road at that time. This guy pulls out in front of him in a, I think it was a, a shoebox Ford pulls out in front of him. Boom. Sadly, James Dean was killed. The car was mangled. So George Barris bought the remains The remains of the car not remains of james dean george barris bought the remains and uh, it'd be way weirder if he bought the remains of james dean because what i'm about to tell you but all right so james dean or (laughs) so george barris buys the remains of the car and when they were getting the porsche off the trailer at his shop the car slipped off the trailer and broke the leg of a mechanic there so they get it off there finally the guy goes to the hospital he gets all fixed up and George Barris sold the engine and drivetrain to two doctors for their Porsches, who both raced their Porsches with those parts and both crashed horribly. One even died. Which is interesting because one of those two pieces is what I talked about in Paranormal News the drivetrain itself. The two things that George Barris sold, one of the two things, that drivetrain has been recovered the other one is still out there somewhere and that's the engine okay two tires from the little bastard were in barris's garage completely untouched since the accident so he sold those tires and grain of salt but both of the tires exploded simultaneously causing the driver to run off the road and die other parts were sold off leading to more injuries and another possible death unverifiable so, George Barris goes, Yep, nope, this car's cursed. Due to all the incidents involving Little Bastard, George Barris decided to hide the car, but was convinced by the California Highway Patrol to lend this mangled Porsche to a highway safety exhibit. Now, the first exhibit was unsuccessful as the garage that housed the car caught fire and burnt to the ground. Then, oh, I should add, really oddly, the car basically was undamaged from this fire. The next exhibit was at a local high school, and it ended abruptly when the car fell off its display and broke a nearby student's hip, supposedly. It's kind of hard to tell what's real and what has become the legend of this car. So, George Barquis, who was hauling the wreckage of the Porsche Spider on a flatbed truck was killed when the Porsche fell on him after he was thrown from his truck in an accident that seems to be true I'm pretty sure that's true so he gets in an accident gets thrown from his truck the Porsche falls off the trailer onto him crushing killing him yep cursed car 100 percent yep cursed car okay this continues until about 1960 when the car was on loan to a safety exhibit in Miami. Following that exhibit, the car and the truck that was hauling it, poof, disappear on their way back to Los Angeles. Basically, if you look into it far enough, if you go down this rabbit hole far enough, a very wealthy car collector bought the truck and the car and said like, no questions asked, it's in a private collection, never to see the light of day. But George Barris, has a well had he died now had a million dollar bounty out there for the little bastard that supposedly this guy's this wealthy guy that owns it has managed to keep it all this time as his you know prized possession his holy grail of his car collection i found some photos that might be legit that but they might not be so i'm not going to add them to the facebook or anything but Again, if you go down this rabbit hole about the little bastard car, about James Dean's car, it seems that the wreckage is still out there. It's in a private collection in America. And there's a bunch of people that say they've seen it. There's a lot of people online that have been, yep, I've seen firsthand little bastard. Look, if you happen to own the car and you're listening to this podcast right now, I will 100% say I will never give up your identity. I will never tell anybody, but look, I want to see the car. I really, really, really want to see the car. So I will, I'll leave my phone at home. You can pat me down, make sure I'm not wearing a wire or GoPro or anything. I just want to see the car with my own two eyes. So if you happen to own the car or you happen to know the person who owns the car, please let me know. Let's figure something out. I want to check out the car. All right. Is that cool? Okay. Now, when I was doing this episode, there were a lot of honorable mentions, including Dr. Kevorkian's Deathmobile, which is supposedly haunted, but it's also owned by Zach Baggins. So, a shit ton of the claims, in my opinion, are bullshit. So, I left that off the episode. You want to look into it? Look into it. It wouldn't surprise me if that car was haunted, but... Look, I got to have some verifiable evidence, not Zach Bagans' evidence. How about these? In 1982, these are quick ones. I'll just rattle them off real quick. In 1982, two people in Lanakai, Hawaii reported seeing a mysterious black car, which disappeared and reappeared again in a second lane. The second later, just boom, boom. From that lane to that lane, disappeared and reappeared a second later. Is that glitch in the matrix? Is that a haunted car? Is that just, you know, a curse from Hawaii? I don't know. You tell me. A 1960s car that had bumper stickers. So this witness was like passing the car. And he said it mysteriously reappeared, boom, right ahead of him at several stoplights. Now he noticed the driver was a man in his teens that never turned his head and never moved the steering wheel when the man drove around, quote, dead man's curve. He said, I know it was the same car because it had the same bumper stickers. I took note of the bumper stickers as I was passing him, and then boof, he was ahead of me, and it was all kinds of weird. Again, that to me sounds like a glitch in the matrix, not a haunted car, but you tell me. In the mid-1980s, three people were in a sedan, reported seeing three people in a sedan, reported seeing a, a gray van heading straight towards them. Then the van just vanished, just poof, glitched in the matrix, vanished. In Germany, a car mysteriously started up by itself and rammed a wall. Eh, you know what, I think that happens more more often than not. You know, there's a lot of cars that just seem to have like some electrical surge or whatever and left in gear, boom, hit a wall. In 2000, an eyewitness claimed that an old truck started up by itself and blinked at him as he walked past an old house. Yeah, that's the entire story. Can't find out anything else about that. Love to know more. Love to know more details about that, but sadly, I can't. Can't find anything. Early 1980s, a British motorist crashed his car in order to avoid a truck that suddenly appeared, coming straight towards him, and then vanished again. Ugh, that's glitching the matrix. Come on, guys. Next, the curved road at the junction of St Mark's Road and Cambridge Gardens in Ladbroke Grove was reportedly to be haunted by a phantom bus with the route marker 7, which causes numerous accidents, one of which was fatal. So how did they get around that? How did they fix that? They straightened the road. When they got rid of the curve at uh, junction of St. Mark's Road and Cambridge Gardens, this phantom bus with the route marker 7 just disappeared. Never appeared again. All right, not a car, but again, worth, possibly worth noting. It might be a ghost train, but not just any ghost train. This train is Abraham Lincoln's funeral procession train. Now, it's still seen to this day, some sites say it's a ghost train. You can watch it go by and it'll disappear into the mist like it never existed. And you can apparently see the coffin from Abraham Lincoln. I don't fucking know. Other sites say... It's a train recreating the procession every year, but this one's even bizarre, because they say, if you see the recreation train, note the time, because as it passes by you, your watch or your time, or time in general, time itself, will stop. That's right, while the train is in view, time or your watch will stop, leaving you with five to eight minutes Of lost time all right one of you guys have to be in upstate new york that can see this procession train that comes by this recreation train every year if you do please hit record on a bunch of cameras gopros whatever you can your phone make sure that there's a clock or a watch in the screen like on the screen that they can be seen by the cameras and you tell me what happens if that actually happens if time freezes, you can still watch it, because apparently you're you're not frozen, you're watching the train go by, and then you look down and go, oh, what the hell? My watch is five to eight minutes slow, or fast, or whatever. Look, if that actually happens, I want to know about it. I want to see it. I tried to find proof of this online, videos on YouTube, anything. It's just a bunch of idiots talking about it, like I am right now, but no proof. So... Huge grain of salt, not a car, but definitely I needed to, you know, wedge that into some episode and I figured this was the perfect episode for it. All right, what do you guys think? Can cars be haunted? Did you ever have a car that either gave you no issues ever, was just the perfect car all the time, or a car that seemed to act up or act on its own, very Christine-like, if you will? Because I've had both. I've had a car that uh, seemed to have a mind of its own, seemed to get finicky like like a toddler and be temperamental. I know other people that have had cars where the radio turns on by itself out of nowhere. So you tell me, you guys think cars can be haunted? I think so. I think, you know, there's certain cars that you just love. You know, when you think back on your favorite car, you probably have one, you probably go, oh man, back when I was in high school, I used to love my my car, my Trans Am, whatever the hell it was. I didn't have a Trans Am, but you know, whatever the hell it was. I think you imbibe so much love, so much feelings into a car that you could create a ghost that way or something horrific happens in that car and it can make a ghost, make a bad thing happen, make a bad apparition happen or like in a couple of these, I really think it's just time on a loop that people were seeing. It's just like any other ghost story, any other ghost sighting. It's either residual or it's active. Alrighty, hope you guys like this one. Once again, this is the first of uh, the next few Halloween Paranormal Almanacs. Don't go away just yet. It takes a minute, people. Please just listen for the next minute If you listen to the next minute, I'll give you something, a bonus something right after it, okay? How's that sound? Alrighty, let's do a quick shout-out to everybody. Shout-outs to Steve, Sherry, Art Muffin, Trudy, Tim, Matt, Kenneth, Paul, Ricardo, the Croatian Sensation, Danger Duck, Jasmine, Ian, Eric, Brandon, Jen, Alexandra, Eek, George, Connie, Seth, Christine, Jason, Hayden, Cindy, Kim, Adam, Ashley, Krista, Erie the cat, Fran, Dave, and Sean. What's that? Ian, Lorelai, Carrie, Ezra, Robin, Will, Carrie, Jim, Kelly, Lauren, and Phil Mangano. Bill, Russell, Tanya, Chris, Brandon, I, April, Seth, Isabel, Audra, Dorian, Dorian, and Isaac. Cindy, Bob, Sean Bishop, Cole, Ah, Monsters, Paula, Alicia, Jerry, Leo, Austin, Rachel, Lindsay, Hawn, Jennifer, Megan, Aaron, Amy, Jeff T, Harley, Suzanne, Joe, Lawrence, Josh, Shelley, Lauren, hey, hottie, hi, how? Lily, Veronica, Nick, Autumn, Mark, Amber, Carolyn, Martin, Jade, Nanashi, Megan, Heidi, Kira, Pablo, Chuck, Laura Rutho, Todd, Jamie, and Elijah, Hendrickson, Juliana, Dan, Laura, Gamerfan, and Lauren and David. With a special shout out to Joe Teague. Thank you guys oh so much. Again, please check out patreon.com slash paranormalalmanac. All right. Now for your little bonus thing for this episode. Your bonus episode and your bonus item for this episode for listening to all the patrons or just skipping ahead less than a minute is. This again, it's not really a car, but it's an airplane. It's actually really interesting. In 1997, eyewitnesses from the Eastern United States claim they saw a single engine airplane crash. Now when the Coast Guard searched the waters off of Connecticut, they couldn't find any wreckage, any bodies, any oil slicks, any fuel, nothing. Exactly where people saw it crash. They went, nope, it was right there. We watched it crash. Also, there are no reports reported anywhere about planes missing or planes going down. No plane wreckage has ever washed up on shore from there. And to this day, they don't know what people saw in 1997 so very clearly. It was a clear day. They watched this plane crash. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. It was a single airplane, was single-engine airplane, one of the little small ones like a Cessna. They watched it go down, and when the Coast Guard got out there right away, absolutely nothing. Once again, I'm your host Kurt Samvig, and this has been another. This has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac. I do that. new and